Speaking of children, it may be because uh, we had a daughter who was a member of the high school swimming team, and I've put in all of my required hours standing out in the heat of the sun all day, watching for that two or three minutes that your kid would be in the water. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But uh, for me, among the sports news of the last two weeks, the big news was not the obvious racism of the owner of the LA Clippers. The big story was the return of Michael Phelps to the pool. The most highly decorated Olympic athlete in history. You remember all of those spectacular wins uh, in the Olympics. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Here, here's what it looked like when he came back to the pool. I saw you had a big smile behind the block. And that's something I don't normally see you have. You talk about having fun so much in the sport. Was that fun? I mean, I felt like a kid, you know, being able to race again and be back at a meet. Um, I literally feel like a 10-year-old kid, um, just enjoying it. I was excited to get in the water yesterday. I probably came up to the block a little early, a little too excited. So um, it's, a, I guess, a new experience again for me. But I'll Of course, I like that since I look exactly like him. I, I, but it was all pretty amazing uh, because Phelps had been out of the water for two years. And he spent that time, he acknowledged, doing just what you would expect a, a wealthy, young, former athlete to do. He said, I traveled, I played golf, I gained 30 pounds. I had a lot of fun, but something, something was missing. Phelps said, I missed being in the water. But the sports writer for the LA Times dove deeper and suggested this, that what he missed was the training routine that had brought order to his life for so many years. The training routine 
that brought order to his life. His coach said that he was sadly out of shape when he uh, started his rehab. The coach said, it took a while. It was a process. It is a process. Well, the process evidently worked because in that race, he came in second to his uh, longtime friend and competitor, Ryan Lochte, who beat him by less than a second. Amazing. All that story and the words from the coach reminded me of uh, the way John Ortberg differentiated between trying and training. Now, Ortberg uh, compared it to running a marathon. He said, anybody, any of us in this room, any of us can try to run a marathon, but the only people who make it to the finish line are the people who train for it. And he defined training as arranging our life around certain practices which, if practiced over time, will enable us to do something that we could not do now, but that we could do in the future. I mean, it would not have been enough for Phelps to just say, I'd like to try to get back into the pool. It required re-engaging with those practices, those disciplines, that training routine that enabled him to swim again. Now, Ortberg says the same principle applies in our life as followers of Christ. He wrote, spiritual transformation is not a matter of trying harder, but of training wisely. Discipleship, following Jesus, is not about just sort of deciding that we're going to try to be like Jesus and then crank ourselves up to do it. All of us who have tried that have usually failed miserably. Spiritual transformation is not about trying harder. It's about training wisely. It's about organizing our life around certain practices when practiced over time, enable the spirit of God to be doing something within us that we otherwise would be incapable of doing, namely shaping us into the likeness of Christ. All of that brings me to the text that Amy just read. We, uh, we don't know who wrote the letter to the Hebrews, but it's pretty clear the writer either was an athlete or a sports fan, one or the other. Uh, the writer may have actually seen the Olympic Games because that's the picture that the, that the writer paints in this passage that Amy read to us from the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the training weights that a runner would use. Lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The, uh, the writer sounds a lot like a coach in the locker room when he writes, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time. 
I have no illusion that it was pleasant for Michael Phelps to lose 30 pounds to prepare to run. Discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later <clears throat> it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The writer sounds a lot like a uh, physical therapist at the end of the passage. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may be put out of, may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. It's that, that training routine that enables us to live this life of discipleship, this new life in Christ. Now, as uh, we were reminded by the call to worship this morning, we began on Easter Sunday by hearing the call of the risen Christ to arise, to rise up from the ordinary mundane way of living and to follow Jesus into this new, exciting reshaping of the risen life of Christ. And, and on Easter Sunday, we heard the Apostle Paul offer that stirring challenge. If you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above. One translation says, if you've been raised with Christ, then act like it. All of which, frankly, sounded just great on Easter Sunday morning. When the parking lot was crowded and you could smell the lilies in the air and the music was strong. It sounded wonderful on Easter Sunday, but mm, two weeks later, some of us have tried this. And some of us have discovered in our own experience that just trying to be more like Jesus usually ends up being a fairly defeating, fairly discouraging operation. Many of us have discovered that if we want to experience the new life that Christ has for it, it's going to take more than just trying. It's going to mean training for it organizing our life around time-tested practices and disciplines that, when practiced over time, enable us to experience a life we otherwise never would have known. Uh, we talk about that a lot around here. We call it the discipleship pathway. And uh, you've heard this stuff. I mean, there's nothing new. And what I, this is not rocket surgery that we're doing here this morning. This is, this is stuff we've all heard before. We, we know what those practices are. Prayer, scripture, corporate worship, small group community, financial generosity, gift-based service, invitational evangelism. They are the time-tested practices that train us into the way of living this new life in Christ. They are the process by which we become something we would never have the, the, the power to become on our own. John Wesley had a 
a unique term for this process of training and discipleship. He called it Christian perfection or being made perfect in love, being made complete, whole, everything that God intended for us to be in the love of God in Christ. And, and his followers at Oxford and after in the 18th century, they were so, so methodical about the way they practiced those disciplines that other people made fun of them and called them Methodists. <laughs> Methodists. Now, we've been criticized for a lot of things in my time, but I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you were criticized and called a Methodist because you were so disciplined, so engaged in the patterns of training that shape us in the way of Jesus? I'd, I'd take that kind of criticism any day. How we know. We know what the, what the disciplines are. We've heard all this before. The question is not, do we know what the training regimen looks like? The question is, will we do it? So how are you doing at this growing into the love of God in Christ business? What, what's the next step for you? along this journey toward Christian perfection? What, what is the next practice or discipline in which you need to engage for your life to arise and become all that God intends for your life to be? What, what's it going to take for you to get back into the pool and swim again. The word of encouragement comes from the end of that passage. Lift your